Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning. I'm Kyla, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get in the Word, Layla, can you open us up in prayer, please? Yes. Thank you. Lord, I just thank you for today and for another opportunity to gather together in you, Lord, and to learn about you, Lord. And I ask that as we go through your Word, God, today and forever, that you will send your Holy Spirit into our midst, Lord, to guide us and to teach us, to show us things to come, Lord, and just to help us along our path, Lord, so that we don't stumble and we don't fall away from you, Lord. Let our eyes be on you, God, as we continue to walk in the earth according to your purpose and your destiny that you have laid out for each and every one of us, God. And I just ask that you give us the strength to complete the mission you've given us and all excellence into its fullness, Lord, and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome back, Dean. Pleasure, brother. Glad you're with us. Good morning. All right, so we're continuing our study with Daniel, chapter 11, and we are going to begin at verse 29. So can I get a volunteer to read from verse 29 through 39, please? I will. All right, sir. At the appointed time, he shall return and go towards the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter, for ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved, and return enraged against the holy covenant, and do damage. So he shall return, and show, regard to, and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant. And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices, and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong, and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Now when they fall, they shall be, they shall be added with little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. And some of them understanding, and some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purifying them. And making them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a god of fortresses, and a god which his fathers did not know he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortress with the foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. All right. There is a lot in there. So, I want to hear from you guys first. What is the Holy Spirit ministering to you or that we would love for you to share with us? And if there are any questions, please ask. I found it interesting in verse 34 when he was talking about how more people will come to the Lord through intrigue. I just found it interesting that that's exactly how the king had first gotten all his people through intrigue. He used uh, lies, and people bought into it. So I just found it interesting, not that the Lord's lying in this case, but everybody sees the benefits of doing what the Lord has for them in their life, and they are curious on what, of how to get to that place in their own life and how they continue to flourish even in the face of adversity, not shrinking under even though some of them are dying. And it just reminded me of the disciples. When Jesus died, the Pharisees had thought that was going to be it, but 
the disciples continued to grow and more numbers were added. That's it. Okay, but there is a difference there. While the word used, intrigue, is the same, what is the source of intrigue in both situations and circumstances? What's it said about the first one? You seize the kingdom by intrigue. Right. Based off of what? Deceptions and lies, right? Yes. Now what's said about why people are going to turn to the Lord from intrigue? Verse 32. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And not just those people. It then says, and those of the people who understand shall instruct many. And for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Yes. Okay. Now, and then it says what? Be aided by help, but many shall join them by intrigue. There is a huge difference here. The first one is lies and deception. But this one is people who know their God and are being used mightily, right? What did Paul say? I didn't come to you in persuasive speech and thought, but I came to you in power and authority, right? Yes. There's a difference. Also, what are the, what's happening to these people? They're being persecuted. They're being persecuted. They're being put to death. Also, you see in here that when they fall, I mean when they die, they are aided with some help. It means the Lord is still there helping them to endure, to get through the suffering. But they have a heart and a mind to be pleasing to the Father. Right? What does it say in Revelation? They will overcome by what? What are the Lamb and the word of our testimony? And? They did not love their lives even to death. You see that played out here. They were ready, willing to give up their life in order to be received by their Heavenly Father. And as a result of that, people who are being faced with life or death, literally, in that moment, a life or death decision, both spiritual as well as natural, they are choosing to die in this life in order to be raised up in the next and be immediately with their Heavenly Father. That is what sparks the intrigue. Because the natural, the flesh, is about preservation to try to retain someone, my life, someone, whoever's life, right? Yes. And the fact that they would freely give that up, that they would endure through whatever, in order to still be counted worthy enough, if you will, to be obedient to the Lord, even when facing death. <coughs> Just like our pattern example in Christ. That's what sparks people's intrigue. Because to the natural person, it makes no sense. But these are not, these are natural people, but they see things from a whole new light. And that is discernment of the Holy Spirit. From what the Holy Spirit has ministered to them. These are people that know their God. They know who he is, his nature, his character, his, his ways, his thoughts towards them and about the situation. And that is the difference. 
I just know about him, it's not just that they've spent time reading the word. The Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes did that, and they still missed out. Not only did they miss out, but they crucified the Lord of glory. They were used by the evil one to carry out his bidding. Not these people, as being described here in Daniel. Does everyone understand that? Yes. What else? You know, the thing that I I think that we see, especially as we look at the consistency of Scripture, right? Not taking one section and um, finding something in it that meets our needs, but um, looking to the whole of Scripture to make sure that we're hearing truth and be obedient to that. Um, You know, my version in 32, it says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And so um, I was just trying to look up something. I couldn't find it. Um, the When we talk about the sword of the Spirit, mm-hmm. and so being able to defend ourselves with the sword of the Spirit, it takes a firm grip to be able to do that. And if we only tried to hold the sword with one finger, for example, lay the sword in your palm and only wrap your thumb around it, but don't use your other four fingers to hold it, it wouldn't take much for the enemy to knock it out of your hand, right? Mm-hmm. So. When we think about the word and rightly handling it and maintaining that grip, our our only source of understanding the word cannot be those that tell it to us, right? So we can't show up in church on Sunday and have somebody preach to us and that be our only exposure to the word because that's where the flattery comes in because it's going to speak to the flesh and we don't know how to rightly handle that word. But those who know the Lord, as we hear so it just reminds me of that component of it. So why were they able to be flattered? Because they didn't really know the word. And why didn't they know the word? Because they didn't do the things necessary. As we were speaking offline earlier, like being like the Bereans. Like you have to go search after these things to know that they're, they're true, right? And that's, that's, where, that's why this is so important here. And it's cl- in pretty clear contrast right there in one short little scripture of what goes on if you don't. There's also this, too, just to add to that, Dean. There's knowing the Word, and there's also knowing God, right? And we've had this discussion in the past about there are studies about the nature and character of God, and they typically go into about one of four things, right? His omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, and his sovereignty. But there's so much more, right? If we look at Scripture, what is David and many others? They want to know the Lord's ways. Teach me your ways, O oh God. Teach me your thoughts. They're not mine, but they're much higher, right? So there's more to it. And if we look through Scripture, and it wasn't just David, right? You see that in Hebrews and Moses and all these, you know, great champions of faith, if you will, that we read about in Hebrews 11, right? The great faith chapter. So you see that same thing. They wanted to know the Lord, and, and many knew the Lord, Fully, his nature is carried not just the components or attributes of his character, but who he is. Right. So let's say you and I hang out together. We spend time together. I'm going to know just by how you're walking, the pressure that you put in your foot, for instance, what kind of a mood you're in, right? And or what's or that something's bothering you, or whatever the case is, by your rate of speech, by like without even seeing you. Just by hearing you down the hall, I'm going to know it's you walking down the hall as opposed to my wife or anybody else, right? That's how we need to be with the Lord. So in tune with him, so knowledgeable of him and of his ways that even just a whisper, by a whisper, or even before he even speaks, oh, we know the Lord's here or he's coming, right? Um that's a clearly a distinguishable difference than just, oh, yes, I know Scripture. And it's good to know Scripture, absolutely. And, yeah, we can stand on Scripture. The Lord holds his word above his very name. But they're still not knowing God. We can know about him, but we need to know him, have your personal deep in him. Right? That's what he desired from, from the beginning. He walked with Adam and Eve, especially Adam, in the cool of the day. 
he was teaching them about himself, I'm sure. Because you see that throughout the entirety of Scripture, always teaching people, yes, about him, but his thoughts, his ways. And he makes mention of that throughout all of Scripture. Hey, I know the thoughts I have toward you. Well, how come we don't know the Lord's thoughts towards us? We can. If we spend time, he'll reveal those things to us. But then we'll also look at the other aspects of his nature, his character, right? Hey, I'm compassionate, I'm gracious, I'm merciful, I'm, I'm just, I'm righteous, I'm holy, and that's the Lord, right? Those are all aspects of his nature and his character too. And if we look at that and really study that out and let the Holy Spirit reveal those things to us, then we'll, like you were saying, see the patterns and, and we'll see that nothing contradicts itself in the entirety of Scripture. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. I think the I think what I'm trying to express in 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 a, in a loving manner is is that um you know we have to be real with ourselves and we have to surround ourselves with Amen. people that will be real. So um part of the um journey of getting to know God to the point where we're not deceived is Absolutely. exactly what we're doing right here, right now. We're, we're, I would express this as we're fleshing this out, right? Even none of us are making declarative statements. We're actually saying, this is how I understand it. And we're saying it, we're vocalizing it so it can, so that our brothers and sisters at whatever age, right, Amen. can say, is that really how that God's word lines up with that? And we can search that out together. So there's a component of that. So although you can benefit from listening to something like this on the radio, doing it in, fellowship and proximity with somebody else is one of the components of that mm. spending time alone with the word is it um spending time in praise is it spending time in regular f- formal gathering to worship god is part of it partaking of communion together and understanding that and really find that time where you're really searching yourself in that repentance all of these things are components of it and so while we discuss these things together um, we want to encourage and equip those that hear it in ourselves to grow in christ and so there's a component also that there's an undoing right so there's an undoing of the lies that we have that we don't even realize exist within us because we live we live in a fallen world and we've adopted things either intentionally or by default by not calling them out as to what they are and so i'm kind of speaking against and trying to get people to look deeply within themselves stand in front of that mirror you know kind of look at yourself and really see what i'm seeing because i used to believe it's kind of like it's auto magic right (laughs) Right. I mean, I accepted Christ. Right. Right. I I really meant it. Right. I got baptized. Right. I mean, so I I go to church on Sunday. I really do care. Right. And I'm I'm thinking like this auto magic thing is going to happen and these things are going to manifest itself. And they don't. And that's not true in any aspect of nature whatsoever. There is no auto magic. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the work and you have to war against your own flesh to accomplish that. And we have to be real in bringing that out. And the evidence here shows that the people didn't do that. And there was a clear there was a clear line of um, um, separation between the ones that were deceived and the ones that weren't. And so let's look at why that happened and make sure people hear that. They're like, you don't want this to happen to you. And so be real with yourself about what you're going to have to do to get it so that Amen. it doesn't happen to you. That's right. Exactly. right? What did Jesus say? Right? Said, we prophesied in your name. We did this. We did this. We mm-hmm. did this. He said, I, get away. Get away. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. Right. So you didn't, so it's, we should handle every thought that we have so carefully knowing that we could have stepped into that line. Here were people that clearly Jesus was saying, identifying that by the, probably by all outward appearance, by anything, we would have held them and say their, their piety is beyond reproach. Their, their, everything is there, but clearly it wasn't. So whenever we think we've got it all. Um, that's our indication that we don't, 
right? And that's where the flattery came in. If we think too highly of ourselves in that, that we don't need to do these things, that we don't need to be in prayer time, that we don't need to be in, in worship time, whatever that is, where we're just out and just praising the Lord, right? If we don't need to be in fellowship with others, if we don't need to flesh these things out together, if we, you know, whatever that may be, um, anytime we're thinking that, we just got, got to go after that. So I, I don't want to be the dead horse there. I just really want to make sure that we're getting that component of it, that there's a, there's a price to be paid for it. Or just, let's say there is a, a reward for the investment yes. in it, mm-hmm. and there's a price to be paid if you don't. God is a diligent rewarder of those. I mean, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So there is a reward and it is, there's personal accountability. If you hope to receive from the Lord, you have to invest. That pearl of great price is Jesus himself. And he is the word. He is alive and well today, sitting at the right hand of the father. He's continually speaking. He's left us this guide called the Bible He's given us every tool that we need. It is up to us to pursue it. You know, he's set the table of blessing before us. If we never go and seat ourselves and eat and partake, then yet we'll still be hungry. So we have an accountability, a a personal responsibility in what we receive from the Lord and understanding him and and developing that relationship with him. We must pursue Christ. Exactly. As you said, for yourself, independently. I can't. Uh, survive on being fed once a once a week on a Sunday service. And so here's the other thing: yes, a, a pastor or <clears throat> shepherd, whatever way you want to phrase it, yes, is there to to help care and grow and feed the people? Absolutely, and and to provide protection and blessing and and nurture them. Yes, but also, what are you doing in the in between from Sunday to Sunday? That is aiding in your, your spiritual growth and development and furthering, growing deeper, more personal, more intimate in your own relationship with the Lord. And that's, that's what comes down to for every one of us. So that's a great point. Thank you for, I'll say, hammering that home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely needed, yes. Mm-hmm. What else? I found it interesting in the part where it was talking about the people that brought the followers of God that brought the others along and how they, some of them died, they were persecuted, and it said, and some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white. Um. It was interesting to me because how the Lord was protecting them in the scenario. He also used them, used them, but it was more so a safeguard and a surety for them, um, so they wouldn't fall away from God or become corrupted by staying longer than necessary in that. Uh, but I also have a question. Um, I was hearing the Lord saying that. He doesn't, us not valuing our lives, not trying to save our own lives and take it in our hand. It's not for God, it's for us. Amen. Um, God doesn't need us to die sure for him to be God. He's God all by himself. And why would he create you if he wants to kill you? That's not our God. Mm-hmm. But it's a more so a safeguard for you if you, it's a teaching lesson, um, if you are willing to follow Christ at all costs, that's a teaching message, lesson to you. That's kind of like when you get engaged. You give your fiancé a ring. It's a outward demonstration to everyone else and a keeping of that covenant that you've already made to somebody else. Likewise, giving Christ your life and saying, God, I value you more than living in this dirt body. It's a demonstration of your faith and your trust in God. Excuse me. Uh, But he doesn't require you, oh, well, because I told you not to value your life. One of these days, I'm going to have to persecute you. He doesn't need that. He can use any other miracle to draw people in. If you are honored in that way, 
and the Lord sees fit that you staying in this world, and he's called you home, you staying in here will corrupt you. It's a safeguard for you. It's not about anybody else. It's you. So we talk a lot about, we all have, we're all given opportunities, right, to make choices. And are our, the choices that we make, are they going to honor our Father or not, right? But you see this, this pattern, if you will, throughout the entirety of Scripture. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? Because you know, there were some that believed with their hearts, right? But then he said what to the people? Unless your righteousness is greater than that of the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees, yes, believed in their heart, but they didn't confess him to be Lord which is the same thing that Paul writes about. He says, those that believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right? So again, as you were pointing, it's the outward demonstration. And not just demonstrating, but it's what you believe. It comes from within. Right? Um, But then also, we're given opportunities. What is more important to us? We are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, right? Okay? Well, and we're a bondservant of Christ. So whatever he asks or requires of us, we should be willing to give, even if that is our own life, right? Jesus had this conversation with Peter at the end of his earthly ministry, right? And he says, what about this one? Talking about the Apostle John. He says, what's it to you? If I want to keep that one until I come back, what's it to you? You follow me, right? Paul tells us the same thing. Hey, run the race set before you. Don't worry about everyone else's race. Worry about your own race. How are you going to run? Are you going to run it in such a way as that you will win or lose, right? Second place, it's been said, is the first loser, right? I, I run to win. I want to win. I want my, my Heavenly Father to be pleased with me. I want to be the best, if you will, right? Uh, and I guess that's a second place is the first lose is a very worldly <laughs> saying, right? But but there's truth in that, right? Yes. We run to win. I don't want to be the second best. Especially at your own race. Yes, exactly. God has room. <laughs> he has a home with many mansions. There's much space for each believer, but there's only one race set before each of us. Exactly. So I only get my race. You only get your race. You can't run my race. I can't run your, your race. Amen. Exactly. So, so again, it's, it's what does he require from you? And then are you willing to do what he's asked you to do? Right, look at all the what's described in the Law and the Prophets. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday with Hebrews 11. They did to each one of them what they, what they wanted, as in the people treated them however they wanted. They persecuted them, they beheaded them, they sawed them in two. Right? I mean, like... They treated them horrifically. Well, what did what did Jesus say? Your fathers murdered the prophets, and you built the tombs for them. You condone their actions, essentially. Now, is that required of all of us to give up our lives? No, that's not in the physical sense, literally. right? Yeah. Not in the physical sense, always. But if it is, are you willing to do it? Two, we are required on the spiritual sense. Because it's just like Jesus, not my will be done, Lord, but yours. So that's a good point there, Kyla. Mm-hmm. And there is a special place for the martyrs that, that died for the, the name and the call and the cause of Christ. There's a special place for them in heaven. They hold a special place with our Lord. Um, you can look at Revelation chapter 6 mm-hmm. and look into that. But there, there is a place for those people. So it, to me, it's an honor. <laughs> it's an honor to die for Jesus. Absolutely. If that's what needs to happen, or that's the destiny, the place that he's called me to. That's that's my honor, if God Amen. requires that of me. And as you said, for my, my safety. To be <laughs> yes. Right, so. Yes, and that's not for, for our listeners. That's not for you to say, oh, the Lord's saying this to me, so I'm going to go jump off this building. No, no, no that's no, suicide. That's not the same thing. Which is against the will of the Lord. Okay. But to listen and be sure you heard the Lord correctly. Mm-hmm. And... Follow what it is he has you to do. It's not trying to leave the earth early. Stay as long as he has for you. 
And if fulfill the mission and the call. Exactly. In all and the if capacity. He calls you home, go ahead and go. Don't stay longer because it's not good for you. Until so you remember when Jesus was tempted. That was literally jump off the building is what he <laughs> That was the question that was posed and God will save you. The angels will bear you up in their hands, right? And, and attempted to manipulate and twist scripture. Well, because Jesus is the word and he had been in the word, right? He had studied the written word as well, but he is the word. He, he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit as well, was able to go, that's not the right application. You should not tempt the Lord your It is written, exactly. you should not tempt the Lord your God. But then why was Jesus, and why are these people, written about in these verses, right, 32 through 35, able to stand? They stood because they knew their God. Contrast that with what's there in verse 27. These kings' hearts shall be bent on evil. There is a very distinguishable difference right there on why each one's actions are as they are. It's the fruit that they are bearing as a result of those actions, those deeply held beliefs, what they have pursued. I, I just want to um, make sure we're clear. There, there's rarely, extremely rarely going to be a time in your life where you are forced to make a split-second decision about what you think God has called you to do. Absolutely. So it's it's just extremely rare. So you're so as a believer, you're supposed to use wisdom and discernment in that. Amen. So if you did think you were hearing something, you should go to the Word. You should go to a brother or sister. You should go to the elders of your church. You should seek as much counsel as you can. That's consistent with God's Word, not to make a decision absent of that. There's wisdom in many counselors, so... I just want to make sure we put that in there as well, too. That's a big part of that filter. If you're th- hearing something, y- you need to take it through all the measures that you have the time to do. And, and rest assured, if, if if martyrdom is in your life, you don't have to go seek it out. If if that's you know if if that's the course that your life will take, you don't have to go find it. You know that that then leaves the the, the positioning of what is required. Like when we're talking about the example of. Jesus being up, being tempted. If he had to go seek out, I'm going to jump down here. <laughs> We've crossed. You, you've left what God has said, and now you're into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Exactly. So, right, you see that with all of them, from Abel all the way through to well, Stephen. in Revelation with the martyrs, right, that are seeking the Lord and and asking Him for justice, right, when He's going to to do put an end to these things. Right, it's significant. You see that all the way through. Abel didn't seek out to be a martyr; he was martyred. Right, and you see that with many of the prophets. You see that with Paul. So he didn't just, seek it out. Yeah, they're just going along their ministry. They're going wherever God told them to go. They're doing what God told them to do. They're, you know, that's not something that you go and look for. It's not you being busy and seeking. No, 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 no. He's just saying, go to the place that I asked you to go. And he's re- he's ultimately responsible for the consequences, for how everything turns out. You just go do what he asked you to do, not seek out your own righteousness. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And as we're making decisions, as you said, Dean, God will send confirmation to us or direction. When our heart and our desire is to please the Lord, he'll make sure we get down the path that he has for us. He'll make sure that we get there because he's just that good that's how our god is that's who he is he'll make sure we get to the right destination so we don't have to worry about it there's something else i wanted to point out in this that really stood out to me and it starts in verse 36 where he's discussing the character of the king of the north Hmm. and i'm sure because as i read this i'm sure daniel had a similar thought as he's reading this character how he does according to his own will and he puts himself above every other god and blasphemes the Lord and God of gods, right? And still prospers, but he doesn't regard the God of his fathers or any of these other things, right? I'm sure Daniel is here considering many of these kings, and by many I'll specifically state Nebuchadnezzar and his son, but in particular Nebuchadnezzar, because if you... Go back to the beginning of Daniel. It's all but identical 
right? We talked yesterday about the similar spirit, right? You see it rear its head, if you will, again. And many of the things that King Nebuchadnezzar did or said or some of the actions or laws or policy that he put in place, you see this being described by this angel to Daniel here. So this isn't a one-time thing. It is something that, again, we see throughout in the pattern, right, played out. That's why we must judge ourselves, guard ourselves, be aware of these things, and then also trust the Lord. He's got it, regardless of what the situation looks like, right? There's nothing new under the sun. And our God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He brought Daniel, he brought the children of Israel out of each situation in his time, and he'll do the same for us today. You brought that up, honey. You know, as we're we're looking through this this chapter eleven in particular, and the book of Daniel, as he's the the visions are being interpreted, you keep seeing these words: the appointed time. Mm-hmm. It's appointed time. Um, or they'll prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for it's been determined. So, understanding that, as we you know, God has already stated about Himself; He declares the end from the beginning. That that's who He is. So. Also keep in mind that this is a an eternal strategy also that we're looking at. Yes, there's nat- natural implications that um, triggered or allowed certain, certain things to happen, but God is also dealing with um, the sin that entered into heaven in the beginning. When Lucifer said, I will exalt myself, I will do this, mm-hmm. I will do that, and the other. And all of that is also being dealt with at the same time, but... Each thing has its appointed time. So just keep in mind that God is working his plan. Yes, we're a part of it. Yes, we're looking at the um, the manifestations of the plans of God that are going on. <clears throat> but also keep in mind, you know, like in this case, for example, back in chapter 9, verse 24, it was talking about to the measure is full. Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me says, to finish the, tr- the tr- transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So there's there's already an allotment of time set apart to deal with these things, and you keep seeing that come through, that you know God is doing what he said he would do. He is accomplishing things, and they're... It's not, oh, this is just going to go on forever. There's an appointed time. God knows when people will go, oh, I'm sorry, God. Come and repent, right? And, you know, Daniel went through his repentance time, his fasting, and all of those things. So the fact that there's an appointed time should give us comfort and rest on the inside. It doesn't mean that we slack off of doing what it is God asked us to do and being persistent in our pursuit of him as though literally our life depends on it and our Today and our eternal life depends on it. We should pursue him, but also to take rest and comfort knowing this is our God. He is doing what he said he would do. He is working this plan out, and we should rest. find our resting place in him. Not resting on flowery beds of ease, but resting in Jesus Christ, coming to a place of trust and hope in Jesus. That's great, Especially since I only brought up the Daniel, and during his lifetime, he saw this thing as being described for the future or for the end of ti- end of times mm-hmm. being described. He saw it played out with Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. But as you just pointed out, this goes back to the beginning, the garden. Then when describing Satan, uh, the father of lies or the angel of light, mm-hmm. right? It's, how, before the, it's before the garden. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. How he said, I will ascend into mm-hmm. heaven. Mm-hmm. So, which is why Jesus can also say, you're like your father, the devil. You're seeing the similarity in the patterns here, and it looks the same. Every time in in history, in the Word, right? Both in in history, but also in the Word. There's no difference there. We should be aware and able to discern those things. But then, as we already stated, God's still God. He's still in control, regardless of what it looks like or what we may think that, or not even think, but what we are experiencing, the circumstances, the situations. And yes, we, we 
in the flesh have a tendency to always think it's the worst for us. But as we were discussing here, this is this has happened. Multiple generations have experienced a very similar thing as it pertained to them in their time. But at the core, it's identical. So let's not be unaware of Satan's devices, one. And then two, let's trust the Lord. He's got it, and he'll deliver us. I feel like we're asking for so many things at the same time. You know, it's like the one-man band. We want you to play the cymbals with your knees while you beat the bass drum, while you blow the kazoo and the harmonica or the trumpet that's, you know, in front of you. And it can it can come across as a lot as we're talking about it. But God is, he's multifaceted, and he has, mm-hmm. I love the word, the manifold wisdom of God. I love that description because mm-hmm. God is doing all these things at the same time, and we being made in his image and likeness, can do all of these things at the same time. I can trust my God while I'm being aware of what the enemy tries to do. I can find comfort and rest in him as I'm being diligent about pursuing Jesus Christ in my daily walk and studies and communion with the Holy Spirit and my fellowship with the Father and the believers around me. I can do all of these things at the same at the same time because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. right? And he always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. So Rest assured that it's not too hard or too complicated, but when we seek to understand, God fills us up with information that we need to know so that way we have the picture that God is painting for us. He went through great lengths to comfort us, great lengths to describe to us what things are coming, what things are going to be, what they're not going to be, how long it's going to last. He went through great lengths, and none of it did he leave so that way we could take it apart from being accomplished through him. He didn't leave it anything that we could do in our flesh or dis- decipher and discern in our flesh. We need the Holy Spirit's help to make it work. And also, I wanted to just remind everybody that time with God is not what time appears to be for humans. Amen. How God describes and experiences and sees time is not how we humans experience it. The, the more time goes on, the faster we expect things to happen. We're like, oh, you said a time. Okay, the time's over. It's a, a year Time with God is not the same as what man accounts time. Uh, you can find that in Second Peter chapter three, verse eight, referencing um, a day is as a thousand years with God. Okay, and a thousand years as a day, as one day. So, understanding that as well, and then going, okay, God, you are too big for me to try to wrap you in my palm and you know put you in my box as though I've got a, a frog in a jar. You're too big for that, God, but. He, he desires that we come into the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, and he's made pathway for that. He's made a, a way for us to understand him. So, um, you know, to me, it makes me encouraged because <laughs> I don't have to be God, but I know the one who can, he is God. I know he knows everything, and I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be uncertain or anything of that nature. There's only a few verses left in this chapter, so can I get a volunteer to, to wrap that up, please? I will. All right. Go for it, sir. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships, and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Amnon. Ammon, sorry. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall fall at his heels. But news from the east and north will trouble, shall trouble him. Therefore you shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. Amen. So what's the Holy Spirit ministering to each of you in that section of scripture? Or what questions do you have? I just found it interesting that in this case, 
the devil, he doesn't care for the people he's using in the moment. He just, I want you to do this, and then I'll destroy you so I can go get more people. You see it here. He was obviously working in both the king of the south and the king of the north, and there was still confusion between the two. Even though they're ruled by two, were ruled by the same person, there was still conflict between them. Because the devil, he's, he does not like peace. He prefers the way of war and wants to kill as many people as he can in one shot. That's it. Okay. So the enemy is a friend to no one. Yes. Okay. That's good. And I like how you brought up how both of these kings, while conquering everything, are still in confusion. Doing the work of, of the enemy, right, of the evil one. What's it say in 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. The key with that, though, is we have to be doing, seeking and doing His will. Being obedient to what He is instructing us to do. Right? Our God is the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of counsel. That's an attribute of God. Yes, you can find counsel anywhere, but, right, First John tells us, not all wisdom is from God. There is earthly, sensual, or demonic wisdom. And yes. we see the fruit that each one produces. God is a God of peace, and everything he touches prospers and brings forth good fruit. And then we see the opposite of that here. Now, are they still given authority to conquer? Yep, they are. Right? God still allowed that to happen. But not for certain groups. He still puts a limit on things, right? Just like he did with Job. All right, you can go and you can touch all that he has, but don't touch his body. All right? Yes. Okay. So again, our God's still in control. What did Jesus say? I won't even be here unless authority had been given to you. So even when it looks like it's the worst situation imaginable, worst environment imaginable, Remember, our God is still in control. He is still God. And He still sits on the throne. Today and forevermore. Anyone have anything they want to add to that? Just one thing. All right, honey. It's important for us as, to, as believers to enter into God's rest. Amen. As we're looking at all of these things, as we're looking at our daily lives, uh, the world around us, decisions, choices, things of that nature, enter into God's rest. And how do we do that? By mixing faith with the Word of God. Okay? So as the Word of God comes to you, as you study His Word, open your heart and set yourself, God, I believe you. I may not understand everything, but I believe you. God, give me understanding. Help me to understand and see what it is that you see. Right? But even if I don't get the full picture, I still believe you, Lord. God can work with that. The Bible tells us not to lean unto our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. So as we we come about in life, you know, God understands that we're humans. He understands how our minds work. He understands our personalities. He understands our past. He understands our environments. I mean, you name it, God knows it, and he has accounted for it. And he is such a good, sweet, and compassionate God to us. Such a loving father. So as you're, you're going, as you're thinking, as you're deciding, as you're choosing, as you're living, love God. Trust him. And enter into God's rest. I think that's just a really good admonition there, Kamisha. And I think the... One way to think about that is to remind yourself to look if that's not there. So if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling worried, or any of those things, which would be easy uh, when we read some of these scripture and we see what 
the prophecies that are, that are coming, as we see what's uh, manifesting itself in our country, um, and, and always, it doesn't matter what who's in office, there's always stuff like this going on. So we have to take those moments and be honest with ourselves and say, this doesn't align with what my faith should be. And um, there's much more we could talk about this than time allows or, or fits into Daniel, but just encourage people when you find yourself there, call it for what it is and move into a place where you just start praising God. Find anything that you can do. If it's praising him because you're, you have shoes on your feet, if that's, if that's what it is that you have to do in that moment, find some place to praise God and then trust him and, and your faith that God will move you back to a place where that fear, that anxiousness, that worry, whatever will be cast off, but don't embrace it. All right, well, let's, let's pause there for today. And uh, with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? Okay. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for the time you allowed us to Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care, and God bless you. Just intercede on their behalf, God, and ask for your protection, God, and rest in the assurance that you'll do it, God, because you love them more than we do. Lord, I ask that for your hedge of protection over their finances, God, and for the gifts and the houses, the cars, and stuff that you've given them, God. Not the material matters, but you've blessed them with it, God. I ask your protection over it, God, and I ask your protection over their jobs when they go to the workplace, God, that you protect them and you assure them as they work there, God. Lord, I ask that you give them the understanding to work in excellence, God, and that they glorify you as they work. We ask and thank you for all these things. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. We love you, Dean. Yes, and I, we want to encourage everybody. Absolutely. Get in some time with the Lord. Make him your daily priority. Your daily perspective is to pursue him, Amen. no matter what it costs you. If it's hours of sleep, if you got to take a little vacation. Pursue Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay? Get in, his, get in his written word. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Receive communion that's important and fellowship with believers around you. Absolutely. And... Or even if we've never met, you're not alone. You have the Lord, and we, as a, as a ministry, are keeping you lifted up in prayer. All right? So just trust the Lord. He's got it. Uh, I like to say all the time, God's got it, because he does. So trust him. He's got it. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day.